I'm just going to read a little bit from Colossians 1, and then I, I want to give a little bit of an overview of everything that I think is happening in terms of the, the context of what's going on in Colossae when Paul writes this letter. Because I think, I think the whole of it is incredibly similar in, uh, in some ways to, to what happens uh, in America. The, the, the thing I would take out is the physical uh, persecution that Paul's going to mention. But I think there's a lot about their general scenario that's very similar uh, to living here. So um, I'm going to read, <clears throat> I'm going to read chapter one uh, through about uh, the, the end of that huge Christology that he, that he mentions there. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you. Of this you've heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit, and as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow, our fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love and the Spirit. <clears throat> and so, from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. <clears throat> He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. <clears throat> if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. In Colossae, there's, there are at least a few things going on. In the very next section, if we were to keep reading, Paul would make reference to uh, his, his physical suffering, which he's not in Colossae when he writes this, but he seems to write to them and mention his physical suffering in order to relate to the suffering that they're undergoing. And so I think it's safe to assume that in Colossae, they're being persecuted uh, in a physical sense. For their, for their faith in Christ. But their persecution is not just physical. Uh, when you get into to chapter 2, uh, and really even through the end of chapter 1, um, he, he begins to reference uh, 
um, the reality of false teaching, of dangerous doctrine. And um, in verse 6 in chapter 2, he makes this comment, he says, or verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So there's a false teaching that he is going to mention in chapter 2 over and over and over again, and it's just a reality of the culture where they live. The general trend of the culture is hostile toward the gospel. And, um, and so because these people are in the world, they run a real risk of being deceived by it, of even subtly uh, deceived by it. And then at the end of the chapter, <clears throat> you see that there is a, uh, a, a different type of um, false teaching than, 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 than the vain philosophy. Uh, there's um, this, this asceticism is what he calls it. Um, this real focused on externals. Uh, what are you doing? Or how, what are you eating? What are you wearing? All of this uh, legalistic type nonsense. And so they've got legalism. They've got just uh, empty philosophy. <clears throat> Godless philosophy is really kind of the idea there. Um, when I read stuff like this, I immediately think like Richard Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, um, Christopher Hitchens, uh, Godless philosophy, trying to make sense of life and reality apart from God. And, um, and so both of these are going on. And then they have this, this icing on the cake. It's locked, isn't it? Then they have this icing on the cake of physical suffering. And so the question that I, that I, that I really want to deal with and that I think this <clears throat> uh, book hits on is... What is it to endure, and how do you do that? Um, back in chapter 1, the, the text that I read here, um, <clears throat> I want us to go through 3 to 14. That's really where I want us to spend our time. Um, it's Paul's description of what he's heard about the Colossians and of how he then turns to pray for, uh, pray for the Colossians. And I think he is answering exactly that question. Just how do you endure life? How do you make it? Uh, how do you honor Christ uh, in the way that you live? How do you hold on to joy uh, in your life? How do you endure? How do you find comfort in Christ, peace uh, in Christ? Where does that come from? <clears throat> so he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So, um, I think just right out of the gate, he is intending to comfort these people. And just the practical experience of it, when somebody comes to you unannounced and just says, hey, I just wanted you to know I've been praying for you, there's, there's, a, there's a very practical encouragement just in that. Uh, it's not uncommon that Kevin Johnson, if you guys know Kevin, um, uh, if you don't know him, He's the guy that if, you're, if you've ever attended a Sylvania basketball game, he was the guy that completely dominated and made us all look like idiots. <clears throat> um, Kevin, <clears throat> he really did. He's incredible. But Different Kevin. Oh, my word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, that, that's unique to that Kevin, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Kevin, probably about, I bet once every two or three months, I'll just get a text message from him, maybe about 7.30 in the morning or something like that as he's getting ready to leave. 
that just says, brother, I love you and just wanted you to know that I've been praying for you this morning. You know, and to me, I just, it's always uh, a comfort. It, it always <clears throat> uh, helps me uh, want to endure and honor Christ in my life. So I think it's cool just that he says, he's accomplishing what he wants to accomplish before he even starts teaching. Just by saying, I've been praying for you, and he means it. Uh, he's providing comfort. He's providing strength. He's providing uh, means and grounds and encouragement for them to endure. Um, he prays for them. He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So what he's heard about them, the testimony is that <clears throat> these guys have love for all the saints. They have a love for um, the church in particular. And the reason that they love these saints is because they have hope that's laid up for them in heaven. So there's something that they're looking to in the future that's enabling them to love and endure now. So their eyes are ultimately set on something that's coming, and that's what's empowering them to love and honor Christ now. He says, Of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So now he's beginning to give some clarification to what is this exactly uh, that, that, that you're looking forward to. And we find that it's something that's in the gospel itself. No shocker uh, to us, but it's something that's in the gospel. Um, I, I'm not going to say that it's the whole gospel. <clears throat> um, because the whole gospel is not something that's just hope for you in heaven. The gospel builds in hope of heaven, a, a future event, but the gospel speaks to more than just something that's coming. So I'm going to argue that there's actually something, there's a portion of the gospel uh, that he's talking about here in particular. And so what is that? <clears throat> well, let's keep reading. Um, and he says, this gospel has come to them as indeed it's come to the whole world. It's bearing fruit and increasing, and it's doing so among them because they've understood the grace of God and truth. And um, it was taught to them by a faithful servant. And so in verse 9, he begins to, I think he lists two categories of, uh, of prayer. Two things primarily that he's praying for these people. And I think these five verses here, do you like that? I, I did that count pretty quickly. Like I'm from Alabama and everything. And I just counted it. I knew that 9 to 14 was five verses. I don't like to call attention to myself, but I felt like that was pretty solid. Um, so, <clears throat> is it six? Let's turn this off. I'm just kidding. All right. If you count nine, dang it. Well, ro ro roll tied to that. Hey, ro hey ro roll tied to that. Okay, roll tied to that. All right, we're studying the Bible. Let's move on. <laughs> Stop grading your math and my math and whoever's math. Um, <laughs> all right. So, two categories of prayer requests here. Um, let's, let's, let's recount that. That was pretty quick. I'll give you that. All right. 
And so, from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As you read this verse, I mean, what do we assume he's talking about here? What is this? Uh, where is the knowledge of his will found? In the Word. In the Word. Okay. So th- there's this reference to uh, the, the truth of God that is revealed in the Scripture, and it provides all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think that's an incredible comfort. It's not some spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not like the Scripture will, will, will kind of get you started, <clears throat> and then you need to graduate to some empty philosophy or whatever. It, everything that's necessary for life and godliness, God has revealed to us. He's given to us as a gift in His Word, and we have it. So he says... May you be filled with it. And so the instruction here, the, 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 th- the thing that he's praying for these people, I think here is just basic Christianity 101. I'm praying that you people will devote yourselves to the Bible. I, I think make it the centerpiece of your pursuits. And what does he say comes from that? <clears throat> Verse 10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Though devote yourself to the Bible is undoubtedly Christianity 101, I think if if I were to distill everything I was ever taught as a child um, into one command, that would have to be it. I feel like I heard that over and over and over and over. from junior high on, I didn't hear. I, I, didn't, I wasn't in church as a kid, little kid, but from probably seventh or eighth grade on, I started going with some people that lived up the street from me, and I feel like that was the repeated refrain. Ironically and sadly, that was also the single most neglected uh, command in my own life. That was the thing I knew I ought to be doing, but I heard it so much, and it just kind of became a rote script. You know, it, it really didn't have any ongoing effect in my life. It was just kind of the Yep, I should be doing that because that's Christianity 101. But it's almost like I was wanting to graduate. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I know I need to read the Bible, but I mean, what do I really need to be doing? I mean, what, what really needs to be happening? Like, where's the big stuff? Like, I, I've been hearing that for like six years at that time. And I go, hey, you know, I, I need to graduate on up. You know, give me the, bring out the main course. And what I failed to recognize, and at times now, fail and practice to recognize is that the scripture is the main course. There's no graduating. There's no, there's no nothing. There's nothing that's bigger, better. There's nothing beyond this. Um, in the scripture, he has given <clears throat> everything we need for life and godliness. You get all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, and that in, enables you, according to verse 10, to live your life in a way that's pleasing to God. And you'll bear fruit in every good work. And you'll increase in the knowledge of God. And so I think just simply, how do you endure in life? What, what, what is it that we, uh, that we do in order to honor Christ in the way that we live? <clears throat> we devote ourselves to His Word. Uh, 
I, I don't intend for that to be a shocking teaching or for any of you to jaw drop and we have to kind of you know pick your chins up as you walk out the door. But I think the question we've got to ask is, do our lives reflect that, that we get this? I mean, is it a truth that just kind of, uh, that, that we've held on to and that, and that we know is true in our minds? Or does it work itself out in our, in our lives? Are we devoted to God's Word? The place where I want to spend the most time, though, is in verses 11 to 14. I may mention in the beginning that, that, that I picked this passage because it had um, some personal value at, right now uh, to me, personal application, I suppose, is, is the best way to say that now. Uh, one of those is I'm having to relearn the discipline that I, that I just mentioned. Um, you know, I, I get paid to work here. So I get paid to study the Bible and to preach and to teach. People pay me money to do that, which is awesome on a couple of levels. One, it's just cool that people pay you money to do stuff like that. Uh, it's fun. Um, but two, for me, it's good accountability because I notice that like over Christmas break, I always have aspirations of, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some studying done now because you know we don't have Wednesday night services. I'm not preparing there. And I'm going to do a bunch of extra studying, extra kind of reading up, and, and then I never do it. <clears throat> I get through, a, I've gone away and get through an entire Christmas break and literally never cracked open the Bible. Now, I, I expect to spend time with family, I expect to hang out, I expect to, I don't expect to be spending eight, ten hours locked away in a closet somewhere studying the scripture over Christmas break. I think I have realistic aspirations. But even my realistic aspirations rarely happen, which I think, truthfully, r- reveals something about my heart condition in those moments. Like I, I get in my mind, oh, I want to rest, and my idea of rest somehow involves putting off the Bible for a while, as though it's not the words of Scripture that actually give me life and wisdom and equip me to live well, as though I need a break. I'm, I'm a little too well equipped to live. So I need to put that off for a while. Woo! I am way too holy. I'm way too godly in, in, my, in my ongoing life. And so I'm going to have to just put this thing up for a little bit to kind of keep other people feeling encouraged and not so intimidated by me. I mean, what kind of thinking is that? You know what I mean? What am I saying when I put off the Scripture like that? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the functional communication of my doing that? Um, it's concerning. The next one, though, is the place where, um, where I've, I've spent the most time thinking. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power. What a crazy word that, all power. For what? Um, he says it's according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The words endurance and patience are are probably two of the most miserable vocabulary words in the practical life of any human. 
Endurance and patience? Like, what are the implications of that? Why do I need endurance and patience? Well, because things aren't going well. Uh, stuff just ain't right. There, 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 there's something that's wrong, or there's something that's not going the way that I wish it would. And so I have to, uh, at best, just passively kind of wait on this thing, whatever it is, just not gratifying myself, or at worst, in the process of waiting on whatever this is, I have to endure stuff that's just not fun at all. Uh, and so neither of those, me and my instant gratification self, aren't really into the ideas of endurance and patience. That is not my idea of a good time. I don't like that. Um, I want to download my song while I'm in my car at the traffic light right now. There's no waiting to get home. I will go to iTunes now, and I will download it while I'm at the traffic light. I, it, now is the time. Now, you know. I, I love that from Hebrews. Today is the day of salvation. That's right. Let's get it right now. Come on. You know, I, I can get down with uh, now, now. But this idea of endurance and patience, I'm not really into that. I, I'm, I'm not feeling that so much. But here's the shocker. With joy. What? Endurance and patience, and they're not by themselves. They have a, a companion that travels along with them. Joy with joy. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, it, I want to ask in a situation like this, but I don't because it would be totally stupid. Uh, does the guy who wrote this have any idea what he's saying? No. Oh, maybe I don't have any idea what he's saying. Oh, Paul, who, who may have been writing from prison, uh, maybe he, you know, I, I, maybe he knows something that, that I don't know. But uh, these 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 concepts seem to be in separate cat. You don't endure with joy; you endure with bitterness, right? I mean, you kind of just make it like grumbling. Oh gosh, are they here yet? You know, is, is this going to happen? You know, that, that's how we. Endure. I mean, that, that's how you're patient, right? I mean, you're you're patient with frustration. You're patient with bitterness, with anger, maybe. But he says we're to be we're to endure and have patience with joy. How is in the world is that possible? I mean, like on a on a day to day like like practical living kind of level, how is that humanly possible? Things are not going well. Like that, that's, the, that's the situation. That's why we have to do these things, endure and be patient. Things are not going well. And I'm supposed to be happy about it on some kind of level. I don't understand that at face value. Like that, those two things seem contradictory. Um <clears throat> Back in, uh, in September, I guess it was, I, um, you know, I work here full-time. I, um, I build websites and stuff on the side, and then I'm in seminary full-time. And uh, thankfully, the church is uber. Some people go, how is that even like time-wise possible? Well, it's because um, classes that I take that correspond with things that I'm teaching uh, I don't have to, the, the church doesn't require me to make those things be separate categories. They'll allow some overlap in my study, which is like, I hear angels singing when they utter words like that to me. 
Um, and so it, it is possible. I, I'm, I don't think I'm busier than most other uh, adult men, but it's, there's just a lot going on. People are just busy. That's the way life is. Um, and I, I know that I work hard. Um, I certainly try to. Um, and, and so what was happening was I'm, I'm, working, I'm working two jobs and trying to get me in seminary and trying to enable Amanda to stay home with our kids that are all, you know, that are six and down. Now we got number three is like two weeks out from being born. We don't have a name for him yet. So currently he's just it or what a he or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we throw names around all the time, but there's, there's, there's nothing that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've, uh, I, I've already done that to Amanda, and I think she's kind of done with me doing that. You know, she'll be like, baby, you know, so what name, what, what, what name should we use? And my, my, my standard one is Frank. Like, yeah, but I, th- I think Frank. I think that's pretty solid, because I think the way you say Frank almost sounds like you're frustrated. Yeah, Frank. You know, just kind of this like, anyway. Or, you know, like, what about like Floyd? You know, nobody, nobody names their kids Floyd anymore. We need, to, we need to bring Floyd back out. That was solid. And she'll go, you know, she'll give me that, babe, we're not naming Frank or Floyd. Um, so anyway, we don't, we don't know. But I, worry, I try to enable her to be home. We, we, I want her to be home with our kids at this age in particular. And she wants to be home with our kids at this age in particular. Um, and, and, and we've sought counsel on that. Like we've asked people, are we, are we dumb for not trying to just make a bunch of money early on, which... I don't think there's anything inherently evil about that. I think sometimes making a bunch of money is like demonized. It's not. It shouldn't be. Uh, otherwise, the Proverbs doesn't make sense in a lot of places. Um, it's just what you're doing with the money or what your intentions are with the money. Those, that, that's, a, that's a different discussion. Um, but we thought, hey, should we, at our young age, should we just be trying to make a bunch of money and 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 kind of store some up for retirement so we can like live and eat food and stuff when we're like 80, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Um, and, and should we be, equip ourselves to be more generous, you know, like giving money away to people that are to the church or whatever. And the seeking of wisdom and us just praying through and, and trying to discern um, from scripture, you know, we just thought, hey, this is, we, we think she needs to be home. So we're doing, in other words, we're doing, I think, what we should be doing, okay? So that, that's kind of my, my setup for that. I just think we were kind of doing what we should be doing. Well, over probably a nine-month span, <clears throat> I slowly start watching our credit card balance uh, close in on the limit. Um, and my wife may be the most frugal woman on earth, and I highly recommend marrying someone like that. Um, uh, she's just not high maintenance. She doesn't require a bunch of material goods all the time. She's a very content lady, um, so which makes her which makes it fun to buy things for her at times. Um, but um, uh, very frugal. You know, we, we don't have a we don't have a lot, you know we're not living the million dollar dream. That's not our house. You know, we my my car is not the 2015 insert awesomeness here or whatever the model is. Uh, I don't have that. You know. Um, and we just kind of, we step back and go, what, what are we doing wrong? Like, how is our, why is it that when the tires go out or when you have to do car maintenance or when you have to do, uh, when your duct work caves in in your attic or when whatever happened, why is it that we, what's happening here? I mean, we're, we're, we're working, we're doing what we think we need to be doing. 
I can't work more jobs than I am. Uh, I can't I can't do more than I'm doing. I don't know where we're going to trim out of our budget. You know, the budget is as very small as it is. And I'm I'm kind of just going. What do you do? You know, I, I, I don't I, I don't know where to go from here. You know, I, I, I've pulled all, all the stops are pulled and I am rapidly closing in on, on our limit to our credit card. And so at one point in time, I think it was September. I mean, I, I remember, I, I, think, I think our collective two checking accounts and savings combined were sub $200. And we were $70 away from the credit card max. So I was thinking, like, um, if a $300 expense came to us, I literally, I don't even have the means to put on a credit I cannot pay it at all. It's not possible for me to pay it. And so now I, I was, I think I was paid within another day or two and another paycheck came in. So we kind of got back to operating level, but it, it did the same thing again. You know, just that would happen paycheck and then it just repeats itself. And, and then you go, well, now, now we've got like, you know, $200 grand total, everything that we have, we can go sell stuff and get money, but like, that's it, you know? What are we supposed to do? Well, mentally, I, I, I'm dealing with all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I'm I'm I, I'm kind of looking at God, going, "Hey, uh, you know, we could use some help here. You know, I mean, that would be you know that'd be really great." And I think I was a little snippy, like in my thinking, you know, like, "You gonna help? I mean, what what are you doing? Where are you? You know, I, I we're gonna drown here." Um, and I'm kind of feeling, you know, panicked about it. And, um, and I would spend days, like, it was actually distracting me at work. You know, I would come up here and, and I would be trying to study. And my mind just goes off on, what are we going to do? You know, like, credit card's been steadily approaching for, like, nine months. Is there, what's the reason to think that next month is, it's not going to be, like, overdrawn? And, and uh, you know, wh what's happening here? And so I'm thinking about this. All the time, it seems. I was trying not to let a man know how worried uh, I actually was, um, and uh, you know, you try to try to try to try to help my wife and uh, and exude some sort of like truthfulness to her, in the sense that God's going to provide for us. We know that He is, and in my mind, I'm thinking, but I hope He is. You know, like I tell her, He's going to, and I'm thinking, I hope. You know. That would be awesome. Please do. But it sure doesn't look like you're doing much of anything because we're in a horrible situation. And um, <clears throat> there was one night where I sat down for dinner with the family and, uh, and we were, um, we were going to just pray like we usually do to eat. And, <laughs> you know, norm normally, I, I don't think I'm normally insincere. I hope not when I, when I, when I pray for meals. I think that's such, such a danger, I think, um, so I always fight that battle, like, do you do the real quick prayer that everyone actually appreciates because they're hungry, or do you do the other one where you know that you're not being insincere? Like, <laughs> Lord, thanks for the food, amen. I was like, did you even, you know, I feel like God's kind of going, dude, did you even mean that? Seriously? You know, let's, if you're going to talk to me, talk to me, but don't do that. Uh, so I'm always kind of fighting that war of, let's be sincere in four words, Lord, thank you for the food, or whatever it is, amen, you know, and hopefully that was good enough. Um, but I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to pray tonight. I just felt like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to pray before we eat. Okay, we're actually going to pray, like real praying. 
And um, the the comment that that uh, that was running through my head before it came out of my mouth, I was kind of mulling this over because um, I always feel strange saying things like this. But um, I just prayed. I, I, I said, um, God, I know that we should all be in hell now. You know, I mean that that's that's reality. If I want to get into what what God should be doing for me, or uh, he, he should have me in hell now. I ought to be perishing now. Actively now. Um, I don't deserve to be on the earth. That night in my praying, I said, I don't deserve to be in a temperature-controlled home, sitting with a beautiful woman, who loves me and just prepared some great food for me to eat, along with two kids that are my favorite ones in the world. Um, I, I should be perishing. And I just said, and this really doesn't feel a lot like perishing. When I, when I talk about it, life in that way, that doesn't sound much like perishing to me. You know, that, that sounds like abundant blessing to me. That sounds like infinitely more than I deserve. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just held on to that same thought, and I still do. I still pray that pretty regularly. Because sometimes I think life does get so rough. Um, and granted, it's all a matter of perspective. Like when you read through the New Testament, you figure out in a hurry, we really don't have any idea what rough is. Like we can't even spell rough uh, compared to what these guys deal with. So it's perspective, but your external situation is going to set people up to react internally in different ways. And so even though our external situation is pales in comparison to the difficulty of like Paul, internally we still war. You know, there, there's, it's like, okay, well, Paul had it rougher. That doesn't mean that I don't feel like this stinks. You know, it doesn't erase that and so how do you how do you deal with that um i think i think the the road to joy so to speak is in verse 12 and it's the way that he describes it he says uh that you've been given all power which i'm so thankful for that uh, when you think about what this is all power to do what well, all power to endure and be patient with joy. And so when you ask the question, okay, what's somebody's life going to look like? What is it that's coming out of the person's life who's enduring and patient with joy? So how do I know if I'm doing it right? Well, you're doing this. You're giving thanks to the Father. And why are you doing that? Well, he puts a little meat on the bone there for you, doesn't he? <laughs> who has qualified you. And so this whole thing, I don't know if you noticed when I was reading, but this language here is consistent through this whole text. Some passages of Scripture are going to highlight your responsibility because you have it. You have responsibility to submit yourself to God, to honor God, to love Him, to love people. You and I have responsibility to do that. And some passages highlight this, but this text, He doesn't. And I think it's fascinating. Uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. 
Why would he here not highlight my responsibility, but highlight what God has done for me? Why would he do that? Because the expectation is, and the place where he was going, I think, with his whole argument, is to get me to a place where he says, so thank God for this. So way up in the beginning, we always, verse 3, always thank God when we pray for you since we heard of your faith. You thank God for their faith. You thank God for their love. And then you read here, uh, we give, we're giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. He did it. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What am I doing when I, when I confess out loud or even in my own heart and mind that what I deserve is to perish now? Why, what am I doing when I say that? I'm setting myself up to give thanks because I'm not doing that. And thank God I'm never going to do that. That's never going to happen to me. It's not just that life is, is on, on the whole good now regardless of what my circumstances are, because even the worst of circumstances is infinitely superior to perishing, infinitely superior to having the full brunt of the wrath of God being poured out on me, infinitely superior to that. But it's not just that that's my lot now, being not perishing. It's not just my lot now, but that's what I'm always going to have. So in the beginning, when we were talking about this hope that's laid up for you in heaven, I said, I don't think it's the whole gospel because the gospel doesn't just speak to the future. It actually speaks to now through the future. But he's saying there's something specific that, that's, that's coming. That's coming. And it's laid up for you in, in heaven. I think what he's saying here is the way that you endure with patience and joy now is certainly to give thanks to the Father that, that, that you're not perishing now. But it, I think it's ultimately anchored in the truth that you're never going to. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints, what they're going to get. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. I, I, I think there is a, there, there's a, a, a present, but mainly a a future kind of thought there. It's something that's been laid up for us in heaven. Uh, we're, we're going to have it. And so how do you endure with patience and joy? Or how do you endure and have patience with joy? It's all a matter of perspective. You know, it's, it's the issue of just giving thanks. Um, and sometimes, you know, you know how, I assume you, you know, you've lived life and you know there's, there are times when that's easier than others. You know, sometimes that's a, it's a difficult, it's work to try to be thankful. Because um, I, I can pretty easily get into a situation where I feel so complainy, so whiny uh, internally, you know, um, that thankfulness requires effort. Um, but, 
but it really shouldn't. You know, I mean, when you think about this, I didn't qualify me to share in the inheritance of the saints to, to one day to have Christ now, but to have Christ in the future. I mean, right with him. I'm where he is. I didn't qualify me for that. I was qualified for that. Someone else acted on me. Someone else qualified me for that. Someone else delivered me from the domain of darkness that I dug myself into. Someone else transferred me into the kingdom of God in whom I have redemption. The definition of redemption is that I didn't do it. Someone else has paid my ransom. And someone else has forgiven me of my sin. And so is it significant when you're trying to feed your family and take care of stuff? Is it significant when, uh, you know, when you're doing what you ought to be doing, so far as you can tell, and life is just not going well? Uh, things aren't lining up the way that you want them to. Is that significant? Yes, sure it is. But how do you deal with it? I think we just look, I think if we can look past the end of our noses, so to speak, uh, you know, I think, I think if, we can, if we can get ourselves into a place where we go, yeah, this kind of sucks here. Like this, this part of, this aspect of life, this is really just not good. And there's really no way to dumb that down. This is just bad. You know, this shouldn't be happening. This is not going the way I think it ought to go. Not good. But if I'm going to have a shred of perspective here, I can endure that. I can endure this difficulty with joy uh, because I'm never going to perish. You know, because the, the ultimate issue that I really have that's not like an external that's just happening to me. It's my fault. I've rebelled against God. The ultimate problem that I have has been solved. And I think thinking that way, I'll tell you, sitting at the dinner table that night, I, I, it, was, it was an absolute breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. I, I, I have not complained about my budget since. Um, it's, a, it's a little better than it was. Uh, but it's not awesome. But I haven't even felt tempted really to complain about my budget since then. Uh, I've not felt despair over my budget. You know, I'm just remembering, hey, I, I deserve to be perishing, and I'm not. I'm sucking oxygen. I'm talking to people that love me. I'm sharing a home with a beautiful woman. Uh, I've got great kids. You know, I'm in an awesome church. I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm supported, I'm cared for. Hey, you know, God has provided for me richly. Um, and the problem is that sometimes I just don't see it. So I pray that's been encouraging to you. Um, and so let's pray and let's, let's, let's do give thanks uh, to God. Father, thank you for uh, for loving us, uh, Lord. You you weren't obligated to do that. You would have been perfectly just and right 
to leave us dead in our sins and trespasses against you. Um, it would have been fine morally, ethically, had you um, just passed us by altogether. But Father, you didn't do that. And um, God, we thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that the substitute who took our place was worthy of the role. God, we praise you that he was fully God, able to absorb into himself our infinite punishment. And we thank you that he was fully man, um, enabling him, giving him the, the possibility uh, of, of obeying you on our behalf. God, we praise you for his faithfulness in doing that, his resolve in doing that. And so, Father, we thank you that we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness that we worked ourselves into and that we've been delivered into the kingdom of Christ. And God, I pray that that reality uh, and all that it means now and in the future for us uh, will, <clears throat> will be where we turn, will be the thing for which we always give thanks, regardless of the situation, so that we endure well. Uh, God, I pray that our minds will be continually renewed in your word. Um, God, guard us from the uh, graduate mentality, uh, as though we need to go on to something bigger or better. And I pray that we will be men and women who devote ourselves to you and to your word, and, um, and God, we trust that as we do that, that we will bear fruit increasingly and, um, and that we'll be all the better uh, equipped uh, to endure with joy. Father, thank you uh, again for um, the church. Thank you for blessing us with the church. And um, Father, we, 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 are, we are grateful for the growth that you are producing in us through your church, through your word. And uh, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.